0: You're listening to the Worst Guys Fantasy Podcast, where you get all your fantasy sports advice to help you dominate your leagues year-round. Here are your hosts, Karma and Lior.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Baseball and basketball are back. With both leagues starting back up, there's an excitement in the air again.
0: You know, for a while, no one really knew if we were even going to get any sports back this year. But hey, against all odds, it's happening. You know, we'll see if it's the right move. But for now, let's get into it. Baseball is back. You know, the World Series favorites, in my opinion. And, you know, the rest of the world's opinion, basically, is it's going to be Dodgers-Yankees. Caesar Sportsbook has him at plus 350, you know, so if you're looking to place a safe bet, probably those guys right there.
1: Yeah, you know, especially in the last, I think the last three to the four years, the Dodgers made it. So if you're, if you're, if you're waiting on 2020 thinking this is the year for the Dodgers at plus 350, I'm a huge fan. And my World Series picks, I've been asking it for years. And one of my favorite lines of our late Commissioner David Cern of the NBA he once said when he was asked what would be his favorite finals matchup, he said Lakers versus Lakers. And when it comes to baseball, Dodgers and Yankees, there's no better, bigger market.
0: That's as close as you can get to Yankees versus Yankees. Yeah, exactly. So
1: hopefully we could get that
0: this year. We've been we've
1: been cheated the last couple of years. I know the Astros since 2017 took out the Yankees and also the Dodgers. And then,
0: you know, but if we're talking 2017, we're. Talking cheating. Yeah,
1: of course. And then you have 2018, same thing. Boston Red Sox, they ended up taking it. And then last year, the Astros, we all know the Yankees had a pretty good shot in game six. But Jose Altuve got Chapman there and <laughs> towards the end with the with the home run to win the game. And you could see maybe if they were cheating there, because a lot of people were expecting how did you can even see Chapman's face that. how do you know that pitch was coming? But, you know, that's that's all in the past now.
0: Yeah, you know, I I agree with you. It's all in the past. It happened. We'll see what happens this year. You know, it's undeniable that they do have that top three talent with Bregman, Correa, and um, Altuve. Those guys have the talent. But, you know, it was the bottom of the lineup that was getting those clutch hits in those late series. Oh, for sure. That's where I realized.
1: Yeah, and the Astros, you know, Caesar Sportsbook has them as a third best, you know, with their odds at plus 1100, which is a pretty good bet here. And then the Twins looking out at plus 14 and the Braves and the A's. The Astros have a pretty good team coming into this season. They lost Garrett Cole, but they still have Ranky. They have McCullers coming. Roberto Osuna is looking like one of the best relievers in the game. He's been at that top tier ranking as a reliever for the last couple seasons, but... I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Astros, but they're a good team to look at in fantasy perspective. You have Verlander, you have Altuve, George Springer, Correa, and even if you're feeling pretty comfortable, and you have Utility Spot, Jordan Alvarez is a...
0: That's a he,
1: boomstick. He was really able to come out really hot last season and actually won you some, probably even won you a championship if you're able to get him early on.
0: Oh, for sure. I remember uh, you picked him up in free agency in the middle of the year. We weren't all too sure about it. We were like, okay, it's the guy the Dodgers let go. He ended up being the guy the Dodgers let go. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was very fun
1: having him. You know, you, you find a prospect sometimes, you know, you pick him up, just take a flyer on him, and this guy comes out hot. You saw last year with Aquito in Cincinnati, and but I think Jordan Alvarez actually was able to keep that pace up. Oh, not the, like... The monstrous home runs towards the beginning of his stint there. But he still showed that he's able to keep that up even coming into the
0: next season. And his ADP shows that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. He looks like the type of guy who can give you, well, obviously it's a shortened season, so 60 games. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 15, 20 homers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be the issue coming in. And we're going to have some talks about that with the rankings. But the 60 shortened game season is going to really bite into the projected stats that you're hoping for. I know Cody had his what was it? 40 home runs last year and you're looking at seconds. yeah. You're looking at 20 maybe. I think even the top hitters you're looking at 20 to 25 home runs and that's what you're kind of betting on from one of the big bats coming into this season. And even with pitching, if you're chasing wins, Hey, your ace pitcher that you draft early on might only get 15 starts, especially in a shortened season. I think that's being generous. Yeah. And it's really going to change the expectations you have for players that you would have in a 160-plus season, 160-plus uh, game season.
0: And you also got to keep in count, you know, uh, you have all these young guys coming up. Chicago, I want to mention specifically, you know, with, like, uh, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. Their pitchers, even you have Dylan Cease, uh, all these young guys who may not necessarily have the full scout report on them. They come out hot. I mean, just the one that pops to my mind immediately is think about how devastating Puig was when he first came to the league. You have basically like four or five guys with that talent level on Chicago, uh, the White Sox. And they don't have a full scout report. You know, they got their minor league reports. They got their foreign reports, all that stuff. But they haven't seen them in in a major league season yet. And and you got to keep in mind, the shortened season may hurt the old guys. For instance, like Kershaw, who you've known kind of takes a couple games to really get into his feel. Compared to maybe like Chris Paddock comes in or Shane Bieber, Jack Flaherty, these young pitchers who have that. Extreme arm velocity—they're gonna just light it up, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we're here. We're watching the Angels and Dodgers play, and you have one of the top relievers in baseball, Kenley Jansen, on the mound. And you kind of really—it really it brings up a discussion on how relievers are gonna come into play in this season. Are they gonna get you those 15, 20 saves in a 60 game season? It's really hard to be chasing saves. I know our buddy Jonah last year said his. (laughs) His trick of the draft would take all the relievers early on. He had Brad Hand and Will Smith, and just to name a few. Yeah, just to name a few, and I guess if if you're chasing saves, those those were some pretty good picks to take in the draft, but it didn't really play out well for him when he was trying to make trades later on in the season for some pitching help and some
0: bats. I agree completely. Now, but the thing is, if you try to get the monopoly on a position, you better be sure you get the right guys. I drafted. Kirby Yates, he passed on Kirby Yates multiple times. I drafted him, I believe, like sixth, seventh, eighth round. Ended up being the best closer in baseball.
1: Yeah, but you know, coming into this season, you know, it's shortened. Let's make sure everyone knows that. But if you're going to try to get a monopoly on a position, pitching, batting, relievers, you better act fast in the trade because those trades, that trade deadline, depending on your league, is going to come out quick, and you're going to need to make a move fast. And if if you're in a league where players don't like to make trades or they're very stingy or they just they're really horrible at this at trade negotiations, you're going to have a really tough time on making your team better. So I always enjoy having a team that's pretty diverse when it comes to batters and pitchers. But, you know, if you see the opportunity and the ADPs there and you see value, then, hey, go for it. But just know you got to really know your league mates pretty much and see what, what works best for you. Yeah, I mean,
0: fantasy baseball I believe provides the luxury that fantasy football for instance doesn't. In fantasy football you've, you you got to strategize your draft a little bit more. Are you punting wide receivers? Are you punting running backs? Are you punting, you know, you typically have to go one route. However, in baseball there's so many players and so many positions. You you can find a diamond in the rough basically every single round.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, especially I know we've been working on some mock drafts. A short season is really tough to it's really tough to prepare for here because you're not really used to seeing that. You know, I guess in a football season, you have 16 games, you know where you're going for. Injuries happen. But in baseball, it's a long season. You have the IR reserves and you know, pitchers and batters get hot and get cold, but in 60 game seasons, it's really tough. If your pitcher gets cold and has a bad couple outings, it can really screw you up for two, two to three matchups.
0: That's what I'm saying. It when someone gets cold in baseball, you're usually talking about a two, three-week cold streak in a sixty-game season. That that costs you. Yeah, it could be
1: very it could be an issue for sure. But moving on. We have the Dodgers as one of our favorites for the World Series. They've been one of the best teams in baseball the last couple of years and they really look like they have a pretty good shot coming into this year if they're prepared. I know they traded for Mookie Betts and David Price, but David Price won't be joining them this year. He was able he decided to opt out due to the coronavirus and
0: Hey, you know, if I was making that kind of money, I'd opt out too.
1: Yeah, and
0: well that brings us to a discussion. Do you think the Mookie Betts trade will pay off for the Dodgers here? Listen, Mookie Betts is undeniable. I don't want to be too generous, so I'm just going to say he's a top 10 talent. Oh, for sure. Was it worth it? Okay, put it this way. We were two games away from winning the World Series. It was a 4-2 series, I believe.
1: Oh, the Astros, it was game seven. And then Boston, I think it was, yeah, 4-2
0: or maybe game six. That's what I'm saying. So you're a game away and you're two games away. Do you really need a trade away? I understand we didn't give much and Kenta Maeda, Alex Verdugo is basically the headliners. But I love those guys. Kenta Maida is an amazing pitcher. You can come, uh, come playoffs. You put him in the pen. He's your long reliever when things go bad. And Alex Verdugo, I, I don't know. I love El Chagrón.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Verdugo coming into next season playing for Boston, and it's a type of talent I'm kind of searching for towards the end of drafts for an outfield spot. But at the end of the day, you have an MVP talent there with Mookie Betts, and you put him along the current MVP, Cody Bellinger, and that becomes a discussion of how they pair with each other. And um, I guess pretty much who do you think is going to be winning MVP in the AL and – I think AL is pretty cut straight with with Mike Trout. I don't want to be a uh, I don't want to be biased because Mike Trout's my favorite player. But listen, what do you think about how the NL is going to shape up?
0: In terms of the AL, I agree with you. The best player in baseball is going to continue to be the best player in baseball. It's a LeBron James type of thing, you know. Mike Trout is 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 doing two thousand seven LeBron James things. But I know it gets a little interesting. You have Mookie, you have Cody, you have Akuna. Yeah, don't forget Christian Yellick.
1: He was right there in the hunt last year until That's he got right. injured. And man, the NL is filled with talent. You know, when you look at the AL, you have those top players. You have Mike Trout. You have Aaron Judge. You used to have Mookie Betts there. You have Stanton, you have J.D. Martinez, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and Bregman. But when it comes into the NL, it's pretty tough out there with Yelich, Okuna, Cody Bellinger, and Amoki Betts. It's going to be really tough to see, and I'm kind of excited. It's going to be really exciting to see how that race comes out, especially because it's a shortened season. So whoever gets hot fast and early and is able to keep that up throughout the year, it's going to be pretty easy for them to secure that MVP spot for sure.
0: Yeah, and hey, uh, you forgot one guy in the NL. It's a nice 21-year-old coming out of Washington. We're talking about Juan Soto. Now, just to run it up, last year, let's compare him to the MVP, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, 121 runs. Juan Soto, 110. Cody Bellinger had 170 hits. Juan Soto, 153. Now let's get to the more important numbers. Homers, obviously Cody with the 47. Juan Soto, 34 homers. He's got the boomstick. In terms of ribbies, 115 to 110. Stolen bases, 15 to 12. I mean, come on. Juan Soto is basically your next uh, Cody Bellinger young gun who's up to the plate, you know, MVP caliber.
1: And especially this year, he's going to have the opportunity to step up with Rendon gone in that lineup. Well, Rendon had a pretty good argument at MVP last year with Soto taking on that number one spot on that rotation. It's going to be very exciting to see how he's able to
0: grow on the 2019 season. Yeah, I mean, you take Rendon out of that lineup, you make Soto the four hole, It changes completely. But then again, do you even want to make him the four-hole? The guy steals bases left and right. You keep him in that two-hole the same way uh, Mike Trout is operated. Still an MVP caliber guy.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm just very excited to have some baseball back. You know, we've been talking a lot of football the last couple weeks, and we've been seeing some spring games and talking about some of – not spring games, sorry, these summer games. But let's talk about some of the games we've seen. You know, today, earlier on, you had the Astros being boomed by some pitches – with Bregman and Springer getting hit, and even Altuve. And do you think do you think that whole scandal is going to have an effect on these pitchers? I know you could say they don't have their cameras anymore, but the talent is still there with these players. Are you
0: scared off from drafting these players coming into this season? Well, in terms of am I scared of drafting them? No. Do I want to draft them out uh, on principle?
1: Yeah, definitely moral thing of wanting to cheat on your team. I get that. But if he's there, let's say if Altuve is there and you're, some of your guys have been taken, do you, do you pull the trigger on taking Altuve? Because Altuve is, he could clean up your infield spot pretty early on in the draft, and you have a pretty good bat there. And same with
0: Bregman. Listen, Bregman, uh, we saw it. We did it. We did a mock draft today. Bregman fell, I believe, to the 9 or 10 spot. If you can get him there, hey get them listen these guys yeah they're gonna get hit a lot by pitches they may not get as many hits but i'm not gonna lie their on base percentage is gonna be north of like 450
1: yeah and they have a. they still have a solid batting rotation there they didn't really lose that many bats they i know their pitching rotation has taken a huge hit losing Garrett cole but their bats are still high up there in the league and you know moving on To the other side of the AL and the AL East, the Yankees have been looking pretty, pretty good coming into uh, this season starting Thursday. And I'm pretty excited to see how that matchup plays out. The Nationals and the Yankees, you have Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, our top three pitchers in our rankings, facing off against each other. I'm really excited to see that this Thursday.
0: I mean, hey, when it comes to the Yankees, you're looking. They set the record last year for home runs, right?
1: It was either last year or the year before. I think I think it's because Stanton was um mm-hmm. was wasn't injured then, but Stanton's been looking pretty good in these if, summer if games.
0: You, if you look at the videos or even watch some some game clips of these summer spring whatever you want to call them games, Stanton is hitting the ball like he's back in Miami. Gary Sanchez looks healthy as can be. Aaron Judge is making the cutout fans rise. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the amount of juice these guys put into their balls.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the bats are not going to be the issue. The bats have never been the issue for the Yankees. It's always been pitching. And, you know, I haven't been scared to say it on the show, but I'm a huge Yankees fan. And now they have the best pitcher in the league. And you have Garrett Cole that adds to the rotation. I know Tanaka missed some time getting... Uh unfortunately getting hit with the line drive by Stanton in one of their um live batting practices. And it's really tough to see any pitcher go through that. <laughs> Man, <laughs> taking a hit from Stanton is something I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. And you know, it was, it was tough to see. And I'm glad he's he was able to pitch today, you know, 20 30 pitches. He's still cleared for his start later on in July. So it's it's a pretty good thing. But now they have James Paxson back. He was dealing with some injuries. If the season were to start when it was supposed to, they were going to miss Paxton for a couple months. And this, we were going to have this discussion. This quarantine and the delay of the MLB season helped some of the pitchers that were injured, even some of the batters. You had Aaron Judge and Stanton hurt for a couple, uh, for a couple months before the season, and you had Mike Clavenger hurt coming into the season, and. He had taken a couple steps back in our rankings, but now that he's healthy, we pushed him into the top 12. He's sitting right there nicely at the 12th spot, just because now we know that he's going to be healthy for the season. He has some time to heal, and I'm really excited for him being able to finish off this season healthy. Hey,
0: I mean, and it even helps the guys who had kind of like the lingering injuries that weren't too serious, or even the older guys, like for instance, Kershaw now, he had extra rest. He's not he's not pitching at the volume that he would have had to pitch if it was a full season. Uh even Trevor Bauer, you know, who was lingering with his with his elbow, he's looking amazing in spring training, and he has an ADP, I think, of like 115. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, definitely ridiculous. But um, you know, moving on, let's have some predictions on on who your Cy Young will be coming into This season, who's going to finish up top in the AL and the NL for you?
0: I mean, in the AL, I feel like it's unanimous. Everyone is picking Garrett Cole. If I were to see a surprise, if anything, it could be maybe one of those younger pitchers, for instance, Shane Shane Bieber, one of these guys. But I don't see anyone upsetting what Garrett Cole is capable of doing, especially what he did last year. And although it's a little interesting, that's where it gets tough. For yeah. me, it's between Bueller and DeGrom.
1: Yeah, and, you know, last year DeGrom was, was a clear-cut choice. But, you know, coming into this season, one of our biggest bets and breakout stars was Walker Bueller. where I'm a huge fan of Walker Bueller, I think you could take him in the second round and fill out your pitching rotation around him, and that'd be amazing because I, I think this is going to be one of the – best seasons we've seen a pitcher have in a while because Walker Buehler just has all the tools he has all the tools and he's very capable of producing a Cy Young season and you know there's nothing wrong with DeGrom but I think Walker Buehler's wins are going to help him out here
0: in the stats and DeGrom just doesn't get that much help with the New York Mets I mean DeGrom was posting the best numbers as a pitcher and I believe he was under 500
1: yeah and I
0: yeah, I feel really bad for DeGrom because he's, he's one of the best pitchers
1: in the league. But, man, the, he just doesn't get any run support. And Walker Billy is going to have run support, especially after this Mookie Betts straight. This Dodgers lineup is going to help him a lot. And I truly believe this is the year for Walker Billy to settle in as a top-tier elite pitcher and take over the number one spot in the
0: NL. Now let's talk number one spot, the real... The real award, as people like to say. Who's your MVPs? A-L-N-L. Give it to me.
1: Um, I think if I had to bet, you know, I already said it earlier, it would be Mike Trout. And this might sound a little crazy. I know you think the same thing, but I think this is the year Ronald Acuna pulls out up top. And I know we got some hate saying that Ronald Cunha was too high on our list and our and our top 12 hitter rankings. But man, I think this guy is able to do just not even with the bat stolen bases. He could, he could spread the ball around the whole park. If you saw him last year in the home run derby, he wasn't pulling it. He was pulling it, going to center, going right opposite. And it's just, it's just an amazing player and an amazing talent. And I think the Atlanta Braves have struck gold with Ronald Acuna and they have a pretty good futures. If they,
0: Plan well, and they build around him. Listen, he wasn't even on pace. He basically did it. He ended the year almost with a 40-40 season. 40 steals, 40 home runs. I believe it was uh, 37 steals, maybe 42 home runs, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I know it's happened five times in the MLB. The only one that comes to mind is Barry Bonds. If you're putting up numbers that Barry Bonds put up, I don't care if he juice, whatever. Barry Bonds is one of the best to play the game. And that's coming from a Dodgers fan. If you're putting up Barry Bonds numbers without juice. Oh, come on. Well, let's not say without juice because we're not really sure.
1: You know, I'm a huge opponent of like most top players in any sport are on some type of PD or. Sample man, but hey, let's not get. That's a conversation
0: you, for another podcast. Let's let's just say, uh, against the MLBPA yeah. rules.
1: But uh, let's just look at the numbers Wanda Kuni had last year, and they were tremendous. Man, he had 175 hits, 41 home runs, like you said. He was damn near close with the 40 40 mark, which is just amazing. He finished off the season with 37 stolen bases, 100. He hit the 100 mark in RBIs 127 runs, betting at 280. But man. This guy, 22 years old, I'm just really excited to see his future. And, you know, if you have that top three spot in this year's draft and Wanda Acuna is there, man, you you need to pull the trigger on him. I know a lot of people say Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, and Acuna are – and you need to – if he falls to you at the fifth spot <laughs> – God bless your soul because that's you're winning the league, yeah. that That's a gift, but you know, it's all preference. I know a lot of players you know, we know we're doing a mock early on, someone took Garrett Cole early in like in the top three, and it kind of surprises you because you know, if, if Garrett Cole drops you in the sixth spot, seventh spot, okay, you, if you really want to build yourself around a pitcher, Garrett Cole is the pitcher to build around, but you're going to have talents like Mookie Betts, Cody are going to be there. I would really prefer Okuno over Betts and Cody, but I know I know most of our listeners are some Dodger homers. It's very hard to hear that, but hey. <laughs> in fantasy is fantasy. When you have a player that hits 40-plus home runs and damn near 40 stolen bases, he has a batting average at 280. And he's still young. He's going to be able to grow on last season coming into this year. I'm very excited for him, for sure. And I mean, listen, the way
0: the draft rolled out that we did earlier today, uh, I was sitting at the at the turn pick. Was able to secure a solid bat with Nolan Arenado. And then get my pitcher in Walker Bueller. So let's just say you have like that third, fourth pick. Ronald Acuna drops to you. You get a a top two fantasy player. And then at the turn, you can still build your pitching around like even a Walker Bueller, a, um, a Justin Verlander, a Strasburg, Strasburg. Exactly. One of these top of the rotation, top tier pitchers. You're still getting a tier one guy and you also have one of the best guys. I, I think the fact that this guy is getting underlooked so much will only help you if you really know his value.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's an important aspect of fantasy. Sometimes you got to know who the people are in your league, who are their fans of, who they're not really high on. And hey, you take advantage of that because sometimes you're going to be able to steal a talent early on in the draft that players are just not going to like. Hey, man, I know people are not liking the Astros, but if you had Bregman at the turn spot and you want to pull the trigger... I don't know what to tell you. This guy had MVP numbers last year in the AL. I know Mike Trout won it, but Bregman was making some noise for sure.
0: Bregman was the only other player besides Mike Trout to receive first place votes. Mike yeah. Trout received 17% and uh, Bregman received 13 I
1: don't know what else to tell you guys. Baseball is back. By the time you hear this episode, we're going to be kicking off the season. And we're only a week away. You know, your father said when I came into your house today, we're nine days away from some basketball and God, man, we just need some basketball now. And let's just go back. Let's see what's going on in the bubble right now. We had some teams moving in. They announced today that no player of all tested have tested positive coronavirus. So that's a good sign. I know there's a lot of people out there that believe that this season will not finish, but we're looking pretty good right now. And. Let's just start off. Who who are the favorites for the championship this year? I I know there's been a couple months of these players staying at home, not practicing,
0: but let's talk about some basketball here. I'm glad. I am so glad basketball is back. We, ESPN, gave us uh, kind of like a taste to get back into it when they released the Last Dance early. We were all looking back at Michael scotty how they even had a a quick little moment for kobe which was beautiful but oh boy basketball is back baby in terms of favorites we all know the favorites los angeles has two powerhouses it's rare to say if we're not talking about like college football or something los angeles but apparently the clippers are good (laughs) so obviously in terms of the western conference it's Lakers Clippers You know if everyone's healthy it's it's a tough series but the Clippers have had some personal issues Trez Mar- Montrez Harrell okay Pat Beverly they both returned home for personal issues no clear return date in sight Marcus Morris Landry Shamit. They have not shown up. Also no clear expected return date. Listen, the Clippers are losing this depth that had made them so deadly. I understand Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard. But to me, Kawhi Leonard is just a more disciplined Paul George. So, you have Kawhi Leonard and half of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Going up against the greatest of all time, dare I say it, dare I say it, one of the greatest of all time, LeBron James, and then quite possibly the best big man in the league, Anthony Davis. Not to mention, I don't know, I feel like it's, a, it's an underrated trait, but chemistry, the chemistry of this Laker squad, you see the videos, you see the Twitter posts, you see the comments.
1: You genuinely feel they love each other. Yeah, they definitely gel well with each other. And it definitely helps. You know, a lot of people were saying, no, stay away from Dion Waiters. Stay away from J.R. Smith. Hey, man, these players have played with LeBron, won championships with them. They know what LeBron needs when it comes down to the big moments. And it, it doesn't mean they have to do it, but they could pep talk. They could give out some pretty good advice to some of these young players on our squad. We have Caruso. We have... THT coming in, he has to step up because Rondo's going to be out exactly. You have Danny Green that's been there and done that multiple times for two great teams. one it three times. Yeah, he's won with the Spurs and he's won with Toronto. So he's been in some of the best championship teams we've seen the last couple, five, ten years. And I think this team is ready. And Dwight Howard, I think it's, I think it's a cool storyline that Dwight Howard's coming back to Orlando and he's able to win that championship. That the Lakers were, that the Lakers took from them and the Lakers celebrated on his home court and now he's back there. People hate him when he when he asked for a trade. He wasn't really liked when he went back to Orlando. He's bounced around, he's been to Houston, he's been to Atlanta, he's been to Charlotte. Man, he's been all over the place. So now he's back and he's on a title contending team. And I'm very excited for him. I know he wasn't really going to join the team. It was 50-50 that they weren't sure. He's back. This has been a tough time for these players, 100%. I don't disagree on the issues that's been going around in this country with this whole coronavirus. But I'm very excited and thankful that we have some basketball back. But this Lakers team, they can only beat themselves here. I know they have some sleepers. I know I had some sleepers coming into this episode. I uh, have Denver Nuggets. I think they have the type of team that is able to beat like the Clippers in a seven game series. Anything could happen, and they can make some noise here. You have Jokic. Maybe <laughs> the Jokic is looking amazing after this quarantine.
0: Listen, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, Denver Nuggets. If they match up with the Clippers in the playoffs, I see him beating them solely off the fact what it, the Clippers. Semi adapted the Dantoni small ball scheme. They don't have a true center besides Zoo. And I love Zoo. Is he a starting center? No. But you have Jokic posting up Zoo, even if Trez is there, posting up Montrez, Marcus Moore, whoever. I, I can't. You would have to put Kawhi Leonard on Jokic to sort of disrupt. diffuse yeah,
1: shut the offense a bit
0: cuz Jokic's post moves it's not his scoring that's deadly it's how clever he moves the ball around and when you have shooters like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, hell even Michael Porter is even becoming a knockdown it, I love that team so much. And like you said, Jokic is looking fit. Yeah. Always joke around that Jokic, it just doesn't
1: look right when he's dropping triple doubles. Stretch mark five. But now, man, this guy looks good. I'm very happy for him. I know he tested positive a month back. With uh, Djokovic. Yeah, with Djokovic. Joker and Joker. Whatever they were doing, who knows. (laughs) But, hey, sometimes... When you take these times off, you either get out of shape or get in shape. Depends how. I know a lot of some some people out there, some analysts, some radio hosts, they were kind of skeptical on how Luka Doncic was going to come back after. Yeah, he, people, some people think he's not looking that good after this because he wasn't committed to his body, his fitness. He's young. He's young, and he'll learn that because hey, Luka Doncic just could be one of the best players in the next couple of years in the NBA, and he's shown that this season. And I know Dallas is sitting there at the seventh spot. They can make some noise, but I'm not really scared of them. I feel like one of the teams that could that could scare off some people and they have the talent and everything to do it is the Trailblazers. And, like, you have Dame Lillard. You have CJ McCollum. Hell, you have Carmelo Anthony. I know they lost Trevor Ariza because he's not playing and he didn't want to go to the bubble during this whole thing. And I understand that. These teams are going to have to adjust. Even the favorite coming out of the East are the Bucks, and they they don't have Eric Bledsoe right now, tested positive or whatever it may be. And I think they also, I think they're also missing Pat Cunnington. I believe he just checked back in. Yeah. There. So hey man, these teams are gonna have to adjust on the fly. Uh, next man up mentality. Eric Bledsoe is a huge contributor to that Bucks team. That's their second option. If yeah, second, if... third option would behind Chris. Middleton. Oh, Chris Middleton, yes. And. Hey, there's not, should it be an excuse here? I don't want it to be, oh, the Lakers won. It was a fluke or the lake. And then when the Lakers lose, they blame the lake. They they bash the Lakers. You can't have it both ways. You know, something's going to happen. You know, there's going to be discussion. If the Lakers win, was it a fluke? And when the Lakers lose, it's going to be the complete opposite story. And hey, we're ready for it. That's that comes with the territory. But let's move on to some. NBA picks. Who are your picks for MVP, your championships, and all that good stuff? So,
0: f- for the awards, they're only doing uh, the games before the break. Yeah, the
1: whatever, whatever was finished. The out, original the last sixty season, games yeah. or whatever. Yeah.
0: In terms of that, you know, I, I, I have to give it to Giannis.
1: Yeah, that's the tough part. And I know a lot of Laker fans want LeBron. Hey, man, I would love for LeBron to win this MVP. But it's really looking like it's going Giannis's way here. Uh, Best player on the best team. That's been the trend or the formula for reporters that make these votes the past couple years. And you can't really argue against it. And for LeBron and for Giannis's defense, Giannis doesn't have Anthony Davis on his team here. And, yeah. And you could go back to the argument people have for LeBron. Oh, he's in the East. Giannis is in the East. All right, we get that. LeBron has made his team the number one contender on the West. And, hey, even me, I even said when he got here last year, I was like, can he compete in the West? I know he was injured, but they didn't make the playoffs his first year. We were able to understand that, you know, he was injured. Players got injured. There were 50-50 coming to that Christmas break with Luke Walton. Still has the coach, and now they've turned things around, but let's not, let's not forget that he has Anthony Davis on his squad. So I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis got it. Obviously, LeBron has a pretty good shot here, but it kind of hurts that it only goes down to those 60 games. Maybe if it was the 80-game season, LeBron was able to make that final push, put his foot on the pedal, and finish strong here. But it's really hard to argue against what these reporters are saying on how on how Giannis is on best team
0: and he's the best player. Yeah, I mean, for me, the ultimate MVP test is take the guy off the team. How are they doing? You take Giannis off of Milwaukee. Their best player is Chris Middleton. He's supported by Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe. In the East, you're looking at like a 6-7 seed. Now you take LeBron James off the Lakers. They still have Anthony Davis. They still have all their depth. Yes, the West is harder, but hey, it's, it's it. if Houston is a 5-6 seed, I think we'd be right around there too. So in terms of MVP, I say the slight edge Giannis because yeah. you take him off that team. But
1: it's very close. Let's not, cl- not say it's like a miles apart here. No. It's very close. It's definitely not miles apart. And it could go either way here. It just really sucks that it's going to be on the season that happened already. And the, not the last eight games, but let's be real. The last eight games, Giannis and LeBron are probably going to play four or five of those games. There's no need to run your, especially if you're the number one seed in your conference. I know the Lakers want to secure that first seed. But there's no home court advantage. You're if not you're, playing in front of your crowd.
0: But hey, something that I do think is uh, runways away. It's the Rookie of the Year race. You know, I get that Zion is the super talent that the second he came into the league, he's changing games outcomes left and right. However, played, what, like 20 games, give or take. The real Rookie of the Year is John Morant. I mean, this guy. Unreal.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you on that one. John Morant came into this league and performed. Way above expectations, I guess. I think that's pretty fair to say. And we all knew Zion was going to come in strong. I know I joked around for multiple years that Zion was just Randall, Julius Randall 3.0. Let's not take it away. What Zion's been able to do in the NBA, but it's just the amount of games he's able to play doesn't really help his argument here. And I know ESPN and all these reporters are pushing the narrative that they need Zion to win rookie of the year because, hey, Zion sells let's not forget he's the, the new bron yeah he sells and he's an amazing talent and he just he's hollywood if he was on the Lakers it wouldn't even be a question who's rookie of the year but it doesn't help that the pelicans are a couple games outside of the 8 spot the memphis are saying they're pretty at the 8 spot so it's going to be tough and you know i don't want to bring up this conversation but the nba scheduling made it pretty pretty easy for the Pelicans to be able to make an eight spot with their last eight games of the season compared to the Memphis' schedule. And look, the Pelicans have the easiest schedule the last eight games and it doesn't help that Zion has left and we're not really sure when he's going to be back in the bubble. It really doesn't help their chances there, but I know the last eight games doesn't matter in this, in this contest, but yeah, I'm with you. John Morant is the rookie of the year and moving on. I think the Defensive Player of the Year, it's
0: pretty close, though. I know. It's more than pretty close. It's yeah. extremely close. Yeah.
1: And it's, I think between me, I think it's Anthony Davis and Giannis. And I know I know Rudy Gobert, he's a great defender. But, man, give it to one of these guys. Let me, let me see Giannis or AD as a Defensive Player of the Year. And if I had to choose, I think it's Anthony Davis.
0: I agree. I think it's Anthony Davis as well. Listen, the guy's leading the Lakers in steals. He's leading them in blocks. The Lakers are one of the most net efficiently rated defensive teams. And if you're leading one of the top defensive teams in the defensive categories, you deserve Defensive Player of the Year. Like you said, Rudy Gobert, he's playing amazing. The Stifle Tower, he's going to get blocks. You can attribute that to him just being massive and taking up space.
1: Yeah, and he's a... He's a paint body. He likes to stay in the paint. You know, you take Rudy Gobert out of the paint, some pick and roll actions. He's not really that effective. And a lot of teams are really picking up on that. And they'd be going after him. You see him in the playoffs. They go after Rudy Gobert to make sure he stays out of the paint. And with AD and Giannis, the argument for them is they're able to guard multiple positions. I One mean, through five almost. Yeah, AD. I know AD is tall. I know he's a little slower he's than Giannis, he's but he's, he's able to guard multiple positions. And Giannis, Giannis might have the edge there, being able to guard multiple positions. But to me, Anthony Davis is our pick. And, you know, the next pick here, that most improved player is very, um, it's pretty close as well. We, you know, you have Bam on with a tremendous year there for Miami. He's, I think it's safe to say the second best player on that team with Jimmy Butler. You know, there's an no argument there. But also, you know, I don't want to be a homer and biased because we 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 came up with this player. He was our shining star. He was the prince that was promised, as we may say. And that's Brandon Ingram. For the last two years when he was on the Lakers, I was telling people by the masses do not trade this kid. He's going to be an all star. He has the potential to be. That like score that your team needs because you just saw it in him and his time in Duke. You saw him with it's in his flashes with the Lakers. You know it's that whole getting that confidence that he just needed, building his body strength and liquidity. If you look how Giannis came into the league, he wasn't that big either. Brandon Ingram was the same thing. He's he's building some muscle even now, even after quarantine. I'm kind of excited to see how he comes out. And he just was put in a shitty position with the Lakers. You know, a lot of people expect these rookies to come in and outperform their capabilities and change a franchise around. Hey, man, you're not drafting 04 LeBron, 03 LeBron. You're not drafting Dwayne Wade, Carmel. These are one, those are one time in the generation players. But Brandon Ringham, if he, he was given the opportunity, even their young core, Clarkson, Randall, Josh Hart, Kuzma together, hey, you traded them, you get Anthony Davis. There's no argument there. But for him, most improved player, I believe he deserves it. I'm not saying that he, des- he deserves it much more than Bam Abadayo, but I think Ingram's numbers compared to the time he had with the Lakers, it really shows that he's improved and he's able to even playing with Zion still be the top player on his team.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bam Abadayo is borderline triple double machine. He can give you no problem: thirteen points, thirteen boards. He can give you six assists, no problem. Brandon Ingram, though, went from being, I think last year, he was roughly like the 17, 18 point a game guy. It's like 23 points a game right now. The dude jumped tremendously there. If you watch his game, he passes the eyeball test now. Like you said, he had those flashes as a Laker where you see him, you know, get to his spot on the elbow or hit the corner threes. He's now hitting the elbow threes. He's now hitting, uh, you know, more consistent fadeaway jump shots. But when you look at their game, Bam Abadayu's game hasn't improved as much as his numbers has improved. He's still playing the same game. He's just getting the better opportunities. Brandon Ingram, his game improved because he's still looking for the same shots. It's just the thing they're going in now.
1: Yeah. And Bam, um, Bam is playing with Jimmy Butler and there's a great Miami Heat team and Bi is playing behind, you know, the whole spotlight's on Zion. Let's not forget their best player, just talent overall and consistency throughout his career is Drew Holiday. And you know that if you've ever asked some people, that's still Drew's team. But obviously, the spotlight's on Zion because hey, I just that's just the way the cookie crumbles in the NBA. Sales matter, spotlight, it's all they care about, TV ratings. They're going to sell Zion, but. When it comes down to just to put the productivity on the court, Ingram has shown that he's a player that the Lakers drafted early on to rebuild his team in the lottery. And obviously, when, the, when you have a player like Anthony Davis that's on the trade market, he trades the whole house for him. Now you have Ingram on his own. There's no stress on him to, to play with LeBron James, and he's, he's shown that he's able to produce at a very high level and you know our last pick here is who's the coach of the year finishing off this season i think it's it could be pretty close but i think for us we have nick nurse here is yeah right? you know
0: it's it's fair to say nick nurse however i'll give the argument you know you want to say best team best coach best record it's going to be Boonholzer. but the thing is bunholzer uh, he's kind of got the best player in the league yeah Now, Nick Nurse is taking a Toronto team who just lost their best player. They're still a second in the East by a fair margin. Uh, You know, their best player is Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. You know, their second best player would be Serge Mark or OG Ananobi, maybe Fred Van Fleet. There's no real standout guys. It's just a bunch of mid-draft talent who is working in the proper system and everything is communicating well and you're just looking at a well-oiled machine.
1: Yeah, and that team, even when they won the championship last year, I know Kawhi had a huge part of that, but that team was just, they were clicking on all cylinders. And I think Nick Nurse has a lot I think Nick Nurse could take a lot of credit on that. And, yeah, Bullenholzer with the Bucks, the best team. I guess it's fair to say it's the best coach. But I'm not giving it to Frank Vogel either just because he has LeBron and Anthony Davis. Obviously, it was very – there was a lot of skepticism coming into the season on how Frank Vogel will be able to handle this team. But he was able to do it in the past with his Indiana Pacers team. That defensive monster team he had with Roy Habert, Lance Stevenson, Danny Granger – Paul George, George Hill, that team was just phenomenal as well. And he's able to show that here, that he's able to, you know, the one of the best defensive teams in the league. And, you know, I don't want to disrespect Billy Dolovan either, because when Billy Dolovan traded, he lost Russell Wellsbrook, he lost Paul George, he got Chris Paul in a situation he didn't want to be in. I was saying when the trade went down that Chris Paul would not finish the year at OKC and he was able to finish it. Because maybe he actually liked the system there. They're able to make something work out. And it's shown to be a pretty good season for them. They're right there in the fourth, fifth spot. And that has to do a lot of credit with what Billy Donovan's able to do in that coaching system. Well, with that being said, the NBA season's filing back, guys, this week. We're going to be talking a lot of basketball. In the next couple of weeks and hopefully see how this bubble NBA at Disney finishes up. But let's wrap up this episode with some NFL news. You no, know, a lot of things have been happening. We haven't been able to get to it. And Patrick Mahomes, man, he got the bag with his contract extension.
0: The Brinks truck was backed up. We're talking ten years, you know, five hundred and three million dollars.
1: Yeah, and that's very exciting to see because I know a lot of these, these upcoming quarterbacks have been in the free agency market. They were licking their chops when they saw this contract signed. Obviously, Dak Prescott wasn't able to get the contract he was looking for. He signed his franchise tender at $31.5 million. There's nothing to complain about that with 30 plus million, but I understand these players want security. They want long-term contracts. And to see that Mahomes was able to get 10 years, at pretty much a $50 million per year rate. I know there's a lot of incentives there, and there's a lot of things he has to meet, but it's doable. And I know a lot of people, when the trade came down, said he took a pay cut. Maybe if he's restructured his deal halfway through it, he'd get a lot more towards the end of his career. But hey, if you're in the right system, Andy Reid, you just won a Super Bowl, you're coming off one of the best years, and you want to get that 10-year insurance, you can't knock a player for signing. And then Kansas City was also able to keep some money in the in the tank right there. Like uh, Patrick Mahomes said, I yeah. left some on the table for you. Mahomes told Chris Jones there that he left some money on the table. Let's get a deal done. Kansas City Chiefs signed one of the best tackles in the league, Chris Jones. He's worth this contract. Let's say that here. Four years, $85 million with $60 millions guaranteed. And then we throw all these numbers out. But it's all about the guarantee numbers when it comes to the NFL. How much money are they guaranteed at four years, 60 mil? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Your defensive tackle is getting 20 mil. You're coming off the Super Bowl season. It's going to be really tough now. You're going to have to pay Kelsey. You're going to have to pay... You're going to have to pay Kelsey eventually. You're going to have to pay Tyreek Hill eventually some big money. Maybe you could get him at a little shorter... Maybe you could get him a little out of pay cut with all the things going on in his, his whole career. I'm sure they'll bring it all up. But to be able to get your best player on offense, but one of your best players on defense and lock them up, it's pretty good to see, especially when you're re, especially when you're reloading your Super Bowl winning
0: team. And like you said, it's good to have these guys locked up. Dallas, unfortunately, they weren't able to get Dak locked up. He's just signed to the tender. Uh, thirty-one and a half million dollars. It's good money, but it's not fifty a year.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to be the one that says that Dak is deserving of fifty million a year, but maybe Dak saw the contract. I was like, hey, let's just let's step back, let's wait another year, see what I could get next year. And it's going to be a tricky art. Um, it's going to be a tricky conversation to have for most of these players, especially one. I should have brought this up earlier. These shortened seasons, these whole no fans at the games is really going to hurt this, the collective bargaining agreements in most of these leagues. How much money is left for these organizations to pay these players? And maybe maybe Patrick Mahomes saw that. He, maybe he said we're going to lose a lot of fans this year. There's going to be less money coming in. And yeah. I, I secure my money now. It's a good move. I love it. And. And other news coming in, we had Antonio Brown retiring. I know he's been out of the league for a couple months now. He didn't finish last season. It's his second retirement announcement. And, um, and, you know, we'll just hope everything's okay with Antonio Brown because he's one of the best five receivers I've seen since he's came into the league. And I really hope the best for him. But sometimes you got to make sure everything's okay with yourself before you come back. You don't want to rush into anything. And, you know, sometimes you just feel sorry for people, but I would have loved to see him back in the league for sure. But you got to get yourself
0: right before you can perform.
1: Yeah, of course. And, you know, this thing really pisses me off with the NFL situation regarding coronavirus because the NFL are the last organization that has had to prepare had the most time to prepare for this type of thing. And the NFL Players Association that came out and said they're not prepared, there's no guideline, there's no plan on how to deal with this virus for these players, they can't even agree on everyday testing. Hmm. And some of these players are saying, hey, we want to play, but not under <laughs> these conditions. Yeah. So it's really just mind-boggling. We were talking about earlier today with our buddies over there at SNL Sports, Shaharnley, or or that... It just boggles my mind how they've had the most time to prepare for this, and they're just not ready. I mean,
0: are you surprised, though, with the NFL?
1: No, definitely not. But it's just, come on, guys. This is something serious. And if you want a season, you want money. If you're owners and you want money in your pockets. Money talks. You need to get it together. Figure something out that makes both sides comfortable. And this is a serious issue here. So let's figure it out. If you want a full season coming in. Hopefully they're able to figure it out before. I know training's supposed to start with the rookie camps coming in later this week. We'll see how all that goes. And we'll bring up the Redskins drama with the whole change in their name thing. They're so many years late. Glad they're able to change it now. Hopefully it's something pretty clever. Something cool. Just let's get rid of that name. It shouldn't have been there in the first place. I'm really yeah. not sure how all that yeah. started. and. um the whole lawsuit allegations. Let's just see if that team could get sold. Let's just let's just let's punish them. Let's get
0: it all over with. This is a whole serious thing. Let's I mean, just sell the team. I'm just saying. I never understood the whole why teams don't want to change their name. In terms of a business standpoint, you change the name, all your diehard fans who need to have jerseys of the team. They're gonna have to buy new jerseys because now it's no longer the Redskins, it's now
1: the red tails, or Red Hawks,
0: whatever. Whatever it is. Red wolves, red foxes, something. You can keep it
1: similar, something more respectful, but come on. The Redskins was
0: let's just let's just drop it at that right there.
1: And you know, I'm glad to see that these sports are coming back in these times of need, and definitely we need some sports. It helps. And we'll be bringing you some NFL news coming up. I know last week we dropped our running back rankings episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We have our wide right receiver rankings coming up very soon. Baseball's coming back. We're going to have some baseball
0: talks. We're going to be following the NBA in the bubble. And that being said, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We had a blast bringing it to you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Worst Guys Fantasy Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Worst Guys Pod. You can send your questions to our email, theworstguysfantasypod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Tune in next week for our next segment.